Welcome, Mosaic. We are so glad that you're here tonight. Will you stand with us? And I want to take just a moment to just let us breathe for a minute, come in from our busy days. Will you just take a couple deep breaths? And as you're doing that, will you acknowledge the presence of God in this room? Keep taking those breaths. And will you thank God for his presence tonight? My name is Laura, and I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. And I have to tell you, I'm going through a rough season right now. And I struggle with the unknown. I struggle with um, deep disappointments and grief. And these are the things that I carry with me as I come into this place tonight. And I'm wondering, what are the things that you're bringing in and carrying with you as you come into this place tonight? And even as we stand here and we hold these things before our Lord, there are a couple things that I know to be true. I know that he is with us. I know that he's faithful. And I know that he is so, so good in all circumstances. So it's my prayer tonight that for us individually and as a church, that we may experience an authentic and powerful encounter with the Lord our God as we worship him tonight in spirit and truth. Sing these words with us. Let's praise our God together.
Amen. You may have a seat. Well, good evening, Mosaic. How are we doing tonight? Hey, I've got uh, to say thank you to Laura for that welcome. Thank you so much for that. Um, we want you to be able to rest here. We want you to be able to relax and receive. Um, and if you are brand new, we don't want you to leave without saying hi to somebody. So we've got um, digital ways that you can do that up on the screen behind me. We also have the info booth in the foyer. We'd love to connect with you just to know who you are, hear your story, and get to know you better. Um, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Ashley Covert. I'm the coordination communications coordinator here. Um, and I have two things that I need to say before we get into the opportunities of the evening. First is an apology. If you were here last Saturday, you heard Colin teach and mention footnotes. There isn't a footnotes episode uploaded yet because I was out sick last week, but it's recorded and I'll have it for you on Monday. The second thing is my mom wanted me to let you know to set your clocks forward because it's daylight savings or daylight starting or whatever it is tomorrow. Um, normally that is the best for us because we're Saturday night folks and we don't have to worry about losing an hour of sleep on Sunday morning. Yes and amen. Um, so speaking of spring, just wanna let you know some of the opportunities we have coming up. So. Ladies, we have a um, study starting for you March 30th. Um, it's called Biblical Feasts, How They Lead Us to the Messiah. Um, if you saw the registration for this class and then it disappeared, it is back now. We just delayed the start. We already have a few of you registered. We'd love to have a few of you jump in with us. So the QR code is there. That's gonna meet on Thursdays, 9.30 to 11.30 in the morning. Um, next is one of our training center classes. So we're gonna start Our Faith on April 1st. So that one's gonna be on Saturdays. Um, we love the training center. We love um, the curriculum, the education, just the intentionality they put into everything that they present to us. Um, so if you haven't taken any training center classes, we'd love to have you start with Our Faith. It's a great foundational class. Um, next, what we're going to do is watch a quick video um, about our kids and some of the people who serve within our kids ministry. So let's go ahead and take a look. I serve because we had so many people taking care of our kiddos and everyone was all hands on deck helping us and now we're able to give back. important that these kids get a good foundation and I love being able to teach the Bible and serve with our community group as well. Uh, I love to see the kids come in excited about worship and reciting books of the Bible and praying with the worship leader. I have always really enjoyed serving with little ones and it's really fun to get to have them when they're one and two because their little personalities are just kind of starting out and so I get to see kind of the beginning foundations of their faith also. I had a friend that was like hey you should come serve with me and I was like okay and then I got there and she was like, oh, you're going to be serving with screaming little one-year-olds. And I was like, awesome. But it ended up being an incredible opportunity, so I've loved it. When the kids' parents come back after going to church, you can just see the difference in them uh, having that one hour, one and a half hours away to just be under the teaching of the Holy Spirit from the services. And, you know, it kind of revealed to me that that is the biggest reason that I would want to serve is because they are the parents who are going to be raising these children and they need that spiritual feeding. I was asked to serve when they needed help and they needed leaders and so I said why not. I felt it was the least I could do. My daughter grew up at fellowship and I got to watch her grow in Christ and I felt that it's the least I could do to have these other children, people's children, um, be able to do the same as what my daughter did and uh, so I felt it was important to do that. I made a decision after my daughter was grown to serve and it's it's been very rewarding and it's very important to me because I don't want any kid to be turned away for having, not having enough leaders or enough people to serve. So that's what's important to me. Awesome. If we could get a round of applause for the folks who are serving with our kids. They're, they're doing that right now during the five o'clock service. Um, so you saw the, the website up on the screen. We also have the QR code um, for you to scan if you're interested in serving. Um, last year, Matt Natzel 
put something really uh, important behind us. Um, as we gear up for summer, which I know might feel really far away with this dreary, gray, cold day, um, our schedules change and things get disrupted. It's a really great opportunity for you to jump in and serve somewhere. So um, spots that we have opportunity for you to serve are in our kids' ministry, in those kids' classrooms, um, with our prayer team, with our worship team, our tech team, all kinds of opportunities for you there. So if you scan that QR code, it'll take you to that page. You can see it all there and you can connect with one of us. Um, last things last, I'm gonna pray for us. Uh, next week, um, next weekend actually, we'll have our uh, high school and middle school students going on spring break mission trips. So I'm gonna pray for them. If you are someone who is going on a trip, if you're a student who's in here, student in the choir, leader of a trip, um, just go ahead and raise your hand really fast so people can know who you are. Awesome. And then if you guys will uh, just join me in praying for them. Lord, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for the people gathered here to worship you, um, learn about you. God, I pray for these students and leaders as they are gearing up for their trips starting next weekend. Um, God, for the places they're going, LA, New York, Tacoma, Portland, uh, right here in Northwest Arkansas. God, that the people that they um, are surrounded by, um, that the, the most important thing they take away from interacting with someone from Mosaic is that they love Jesus uh, and they love that person. Um, that is what we want to contribute to any place that we are going. Uh, so Lord, thank you for this evening. Um, thank you for everything you've done for us and the gift of your son, Jesus. We love you. In your name pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with us again, Mosaic? And God, I uh, pray that you'll posture our hearts with the spirit of gratitude and of generosity as we read our offering prayer together. Oh, Father, giver of all, every good and perfect gift comes from you. We ask you to accept these gifts and use them to your glory. May they bring shelter to the homeless, comfort to the sick, rest to the weary, and hope to the hopeless. As you multiply the offering of fish and loaves, multiply these to accomplish more than we can ask or imagine. We give freely and not under compulsion, for all we have is yours, Lord. Nothing we can give could match your great gift to us, your Son and your Spirit. Amen.
of our circumstances, we ask that you lift our eyes to you tonight. You are who our help comes from. We love you and we praise you, God. Sing this with me tonight. God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. God, I look to you because you're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do. As you sing these words, let this be your prayer tonight. Abel, would you remain standing for the reading of the word? Hi, I'm Colin Page. This is my wife, Amy. We have three kids, Evan, Davison, and Stella, college, high school, and middle school. Um, we get the great pleasure of hosting the 6th and 7th grade 
girls um, cell group with Ashley and Kate, and we get to do life with the Crumbs and the Blanchards community group. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belteshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river of the Tigris, I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of the burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. <clears throat> I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I, then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you are highly esteemed. Consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you, and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding, to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. This is the word of the Lord, and the people say. Mosaic, good to see you guys. <clears throat> My name's Will Blanchard. I serve on the training center team here at Fellowship, and uh, it's a privilege to worship with you guys tonight. We uh, have been a part of four years now, and uh, have the incredible privilege of, uh, of leading a community group uh, out in Bentonville, Centerton area, on uh, Tuesday night. And uh, if you live out that way or in, in need of a, a place to plug in, come talk to us. We'd love to, uh, to meet you and uh, make sure you're living life in community here with us uh, at Mosaic. Mosaic, I want us to start off tonight as we pick up in this Daniel series. Center for a moment. Have you ever read something the wrong way? Whether it's a text message or an email or the body language of somebody else, maybe even in scripture, where you've read something and you read it the wrong way and it dramatically affected the outcome. If you're sitting there tonight saying that's never happened to me, you're probably that person with low amounts of emotional intelligence, <laughs> assuming it's always someone else's fault. And we can talk about that after the service. Because I think all of us have been there, right? A moment when we read something the wrong way and it had a significant impact on the outcome of a situation. You know, in our marriage, Sarah and I, we have a lot of laughter uh, in our marriage. And those of you that know us, that's of no surprise to you. Um, but we, we would define so much of our marriage as being completely united in the things that matter most. Uh, we're on the same page. We understand it. We've got a sense of um, what the other one's going to do and the really important matters. What we got here? Sure.
We're going to get there eventually. Okay. I'm starting to think I'm just a part of some giant conspiracy. Well, in our marriage, there have been multiple times where we're united in the very important things in life, but we almost find it laughable at how Sarah and I will end up on completely other ends of the spectrum when it comes to just silly day-to-day stuff. And I'll give you one story. Recently, uh, one of our daughters switched days of the week uh, that she had gymnastics on. And I was to pick up our middle daughter, Allison, from gymnastics. The gymnastics had been moved from Wednesdays. And if you've got multiple kids, you know what it's like to to feel as if life is literally just like air traffic control. You know, you're not even sure which kids you're picking up. You just know you're supposed to get one of them on Monday. And so Sarah, being a, a really sweet wife and understanding the things that I can miss sometimes, a lot of times, put on my calendar... Pick up Allie at 4.30 on Monday. So I'm headed into a meeting on Monday afternoon. I look down at my phone at 3 o'clock and I see, pick up Allie at 4.30. So I know I've got to get out of this meeting by 4, 4.15, make it to the gymnastic place to pick up Allie by 4.30, and I do that. I show up at 4.30, and it's the middle of, like, the gymnastics appointment. And I'm going, huh, that's interesting. I realized it doesn't end till five. So I get home and I say, Sarah, what's going on with the gymnastics thing? She's like, well, I put the 4.30 appointment on your calendar because that's when you need to leave your office. And I say, no normal person. No, I didn't say that. (laughs) I said, but Sarah, when I see pick up Allie at 4.30, I interpret that as I need to pick her up at 4.30. Sarah puts it on the calendar to say, no, that's when you need to leave your office at 4.30 in order to get her at 5. You can talk about this at dinner and figure out how you would have interpreted that, okay? So the next week goes by. Sarah now puts on the calendar, pick up Allie at 5 o'clock. I don't even see that appointment on my calendar. But that day... I get done, this is a week later, I get done early at the office, and I think, I'm going to surprise the family and show up early. I go home, pull in the driveway, it's probably about 4.30, no one's home. And I think, huh, I wonder where everybody is. They're at gymnastics. But one of the, the little girls down the street sees me pull in and says, hey, Will, can I play with your girls? And I say, no, I actually don't know where the family is right now, Hattie. Do you? Hattie, one of our neighbors, tells me, hey, Will, I think on Mondays, Allie has gymnastics. I say, Hattie, you're right. I'm supposed to pick her up. I pull out of the driveway. I go and I pick up Allie again from gymnastics. But it was one of those situations, and and Sarah and I, I mean, this stuff happens all the time in our house, and I just assume it's my fault. But the point is, how we read and interpret messages, they really do matter. And whether or not we even read them, it has a significant impact on the outcome. And in the book of Daniel, we are encouraged, excuse me, we encounter, particularly in the second half of Daniel, what is known as apocalyptic literature, which simply means an unveiling. In Daniel 7 through 12, in particular, is filled with four prophetic visions that are rich in symbolism regarding the destiny of Israel's future. And I want to let you know right now, when you encounter sections of Scripture, particularly like the ones in the second half of Daniel, it is okay to have a bucket where you park some things that are going to require some further in-depth study. In fact, in my own life, I refer to these as things that are almost theologically going to be like wet concrete that I know I can read and be nourished by, but to truly understand the depth of these passages, we're going to have to approach them with a lot of humility, and we're going to have to learn to be good students of the Word and see what other parts of Scripture have to say about those passages and also depend upon others to help us 
in our understanding. A couple of things to remember about Daniel as we've gone through this series together is that Daniel is a Jew who's been taken into captivity in Babylon as a teenager. 600 years before the birth of Christ. Over the course of his life, Daniel sees the rise and the fall of empires. He serves under multiple kings with a distinction, and he truly becomes a trusted government official in a foreign land. Daniel has lived to be about 85 years old in the passage of scripture that we're going to study tonight. And he's nearing the end of his life. He's actually going to die around 535 BC. But his ministry over the course of this lifetime, it spans 70 years. In fact, his leadership is going to experience the entire duration of Israel's history referred to as the Babylonian captivity. And as we've gone through this series, there's three major themes that have emerged in this incredible book in the Bible. One of the things that Daniel has taught us is that God is sovereign over people, nations, and even history. And that theme alone ought to bring great comfort to us. The idea that God is sovereign. He's in control. We can trust him. A second major theme that emerges is how to be faithful to God, even in a hostile environment. And some of the lessons that we've learned as we've gone through Daniel, that they literally feel so relevant today that it's almost hard to imagine that this book and the life of Daniel occurred 2,500 years ago. But then a third major theme has emerged through this incredible book. And that's the importance of prayer. And the simple need that we have for ongoing dialogue with God. But you see here in Daniel chapter 10, we have this incredible encounter where Daniel is, has a conversation with this angelic being, this heavenly messenger is going to give Daniel visions and prophecies about the future related to the Jewish people. And I want us, as we set up sort of a framework for studying the next three chapters in Daniel, I want us tonight to notice Daniel's response to all of this and keep in mind all that Daniel has experienced that we've unpacked in this series. Take a look with me, Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. And as we unpack the, the truths and the phrases in this verse, I want us to notice the way that Daniel's life is positioned to receive wisdom and understanding. This is what the messenger said to Daniel. Do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. There's a couple phrases here that really give us a framework for how Daniel, likely in his late 80s, with a lot of leadership experience and even just decades of walking with the Lord, sort of under his belt, continues to position his life to receive wisdom and understanding from the Lord. Notice this phrase, to set your mind to gain understanding. And what an expression it is of, of Daniel's willingness and desire to be intentionally focused on wisdom and understanding from the Lord. In fact, this phrase in this verse here, to set, it literally means to give, to assign a specific duty to something, or even to surrender. And this phrase, to set your mind, keep in mind here in the ancient world, human beings were thought to think with their heart and to feel emotion with their gut or their bowels. 
And so when the verse here says to set your mind, it literally is describing the center of all human operations. What we see in the life of Daniel here is a leader, a prophet of God, who has set his mind, set his whole being intentionally focused on receiving or gaining understanding from the Lord. But then also notice the humility that's just on display in Daniel's life with this phrase, to humble yourself before the Lord. And just the display of continual humility in the life of Daniel. Literally that phrase there, to humble yourself before the Lord, means to be silent, unpretentious, not trying to impress, but rather approaching the Lord with a posture that says, teach me. Would that describe your life? Would that describe your prayer life or your ongoing dialogue and relationship with your heavenly father? To be marked as a man or a woman who approaches the Lord with continual humility that says, Lord, teach me. But then we see this example as the messenger tells Daniel, your words were heard. And we see the persistent prayer life of Daniel on display. And we begin to get a framework of, of the type of leader who, whose posture and whose position before the Lord is capable of receiving wisdom and understanding. To be intentionally focused, continually humble, and persistently prayerful. You know, last week I was so grateful for one slide in particular, but for Colin as he walked us through Daniel chapter six last week and, and gave us sort of a, a pattern and even challenged us to, to utilize this pattern this past week in the prayer life, in our own prayer life. There were three circles in that pattern. The idea of what does it look like to spend some time contemplating with God. And I don't know about you, but I have continued to use the Lectio app to help spark contemplation and a thought process at the beginning of the day focused on the Lord. But then to move in a time in our prayer life where we begin to, and, and this word really has ministered to me this week, where we begin to see our day, our calendar, the people that we meet with as opportunities to cooperate with God's movement. And then finally to move into a time where we confess before the Lord. And I gotta tell you, Mosaic, this, th this three-step pattern has deeply ministered to my life this week and has affected my own rhythms this week particularly as it relates to the cooperate word. And some of the ways that it has sparked some meaningful prayer and ongoing dialogue for the Lord in my life it is literally when I think in terms of that cooperate, instead of coming to God with a long list of the people and the situations that I think he needs to fix in my life, it's really caused me to begin to start with some of the most intimate relationships in my life and begin to view those people through this word of cooperate. And I'll give you a couple examples. To spend some time in prayer saying, Lord, how can I cooperate with your work in Sarah's life? Lord, how can I cooperate with your work in Leah's life, in Allison's life, in Hannah's life? And you know what's incredible? as I've come to him with some of those questions of just asking how I can cooperate with him in the, in the work, in the life of my wife and three daughters, he's answered. He's shown me ways this week that I can be looking for his handiwork and come alongside what he's already doing in the lives of the people in our home. But then to expand that circle out and just 
the, the team members or the coworkers that I work most closely with. Lord, how can I cooperate with your work in Carrie's life, in Chip's life, in Ted's life, and in Tanya's life? Lord, how can I cooperate with your work in Mosaic and the other fellowship congregations? Lord, how can I cooperate with your work in Northwest Arkansas? And once again, it's astounding at the ways God makes himself known when we come to him with that kind of posture. And again, we're left with the awe and wonder of what could our lives and our cities look like if we modeled this as a church on a consistent basis. And so as we look at chapter 10 and we see the posture that Daniel has as he receives this vision, I believe we're left to consider, are we positioned to receive wisdom and understanding from the Lord? What's fascinating about the remainder of chapter 10 The remainder of chapter 10, Daniel is going to be in need of some strengthening. Why? Because he's about to receive and is receiving a vision of some spiritual battles with earthly and eternal consequences. And he feels the gravity of this moment. But once again, rather than than fighting or fleeing, we see him respond with dependence. And I believe as we study chapter 10 together this week, this section ought to be a wake-up call to us to take seriously the call of the spiritual battles that are going on all around us and continue to remain faithful to the mission of producing and releasing spiritual leaders who know and express the authentic Christ. You see, when we talk about the mission of fellowship, Mosaic is existing to produce and release spiritual leaders, we're really describing maturing disciples with a ministry focus. And there are times in Scripture where we're almost given a wake-up call to the weight and the effects of the spiritual battles going all around us. And rather than gloss over those or go, man, I have no idea what's going on. I think we're actually invited to sit in the reality that there are spiritual battles taking place all around us. And rather than fight or flee, we are given the encouragement to depend on God and to cry out to God as our rescuer. And to ask for his wisdom and discernment in how to remain faithful in the midst of difficult circumstances. And so we see in the remainder of chapter 10 that Daniel is going to be strengthened. We see as we move into chapter 11 that part of the vision that's going to be entrusted to Daniel In fact, chapter 11, verse 2 through 35, Daniel's going to be given some prophetic revelations that speak into the near future relating to the Jewish people. Events that will happen with remarkable accuracy, all preceding the birth of Christ. And then as we further study chapter 11, verses 36 into the beginning of chapter 12, we see Daniel is given some prophetic revelations regarding the far future, the things and the events that are going to occur around the second coming of Christ. And then before Daniel concludes, in chapter 12, I want us to see two truths and unpack those together. There's two other items I want to draw your attention to. In Daniel chapter 12, notice verses 1 and 2. As Daniel's receiving this vision. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. 
Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Some to everlasting life. Others to shame and everlasting contempt. Here Daniel is given an incredible framework for the end times. Basically, verses 1 and 2 set up the idea that Daniel, it's going to get worse before it gets better. He's given the reality that a judgment and a fitting end is coming. And yet, in verse 2, for those who trust in the Lord and for the Christ followers to come, there's this embedded reality that our hope is found in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, accomplished through the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You see, here in Daniel chapter 12, near the conclusion of these prophetic visions that Daniel is given, we have the first Old Testament scripture that directly references the resurrection and the everlasting life to come. You see, we see in Daniel in these remaining chapters what it's like for a leader to receive wisdom and to have that wisdom firmly rooted in the ability to anticipate a hope that is to come. And yet, one of the things I appreciate so much about Daniel is the incredible honesty that follows. Look down in verse 8. Maybe some of you feel this way when studying Daniel. Verse 8, Daniel says, I heard, but I did not understand. What an incredible moment of clarity. I heard, but I did not understand. So what does he do? So I asked, my Lord, what will the outcome of all this be? I just think if ever there was like an overly simplified question, man, Daniel nails it there. You know, he's just been given these incredible prophetic revelations and visions. And the first question is, what's the outcome of all this going to be? Have you ever felt that way when studying the Bible? I heard, but I did not understand. But watch the response in verse 9. Again, simple question, here's a simple answer. He replied, go your way, Daniel, because the words are rolled up and sealed until the time of the end. In other words, Daniel, some of these things are not for you to fully understand. But rather than becoming an anxious presence, keep walking by faith, don't be paralyzed by all that you don't know or all the uncertainty around you. Trust me. And I think when we look at these three concluding chapters in Daniel, and even as they set us up for what we'll go back to unpack in chapter 9 in the weeks ahead, we see in the life of Daniel that in the midst of a hostile environment, with looming spiritual battles, Daniel teaches us how to receive wisdom, anticipate hope, and live by faith in the face of uncertainty. And again, one of the things I am so fascinated by, by the book of Daniel, is the words that we're reading. These are events in the lives of leaders 600 years before the birth of Christ. 25, 2600 years before where we are today. And yet the timelessness of God's word feel as if some of these truths were written to us today. And so this evening, Mosaic, in just a moment as the worship team comes back out and we have a final time of worship, inviting God to speak in our midst through his word and through our prayers and through worship to him. 
I invite you to consider how might God be leading you tonight? Are you in need of wisdom and understanding? Well, as we see in the life of Daniel, simply ask. Have you allowed fear and uncertainty to completely paralyze you? Talk openly and honestly to your Heavenly Father about that. Ask for His help for courageous, immediate obedience. He's the God who rescues, and He's here for us. Mosaic, would you join me in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we are incredibly grateful that you are a God who pursues us and reveals yourself to us. God, I thank you for the life of Daniel. I thank you for his example. I thank you for the longevity of his faithfulness. I thank you for his pursuit of you. And Lord, I pray that we would be a group of people that would respond to uncertainty and at times hostile environments in a very similar way. I pray, Lord, that you would show us as your church how to receive wisdom, how to anticipate hope, and how to live by faith. God, we love you. And we worship you. And we invite you to speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My foes are many. They rise against me. But I will hold my ground I will not fear the war I will not fear the storm My help is on the way My help is on the way And oh my God He will not delay My refuge and strength Always
time let's sing hallelujah it is that the one who is great who reigns above all things Lord is here in our midst and he tells us to fear not he welcomes us into a relationship with, with Jesus what a gift it is to know that we love you Father we thank you for the gift of singing and lifting our voices together we thank you for the truth 
of your word. Lord, as we look at Daniel and what it means to be faithful, to know that you are faithful, God. We love you, Lord. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Church, if you need prayer, we'll have the prayer team down front or in the back. Um, If not, we would love to get you connected. Uh, We have some of our staff in the lobby. So let's go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And our people said, you guys are getting it.